Chapters two and three of Lost for Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two. Eyes of some men travel far for the finding of a star. Up and down the heavens they go, men that keep a mighty rout. I am as great as they, I trow, since the day I found thee out, little flower. Mr. Chamney brought his daughter to see Mrs. Ollivant next day at an hour when the doctor was absent on his daily rounds but the lady had been fully prepared for the visit and received her son's friend and her son's friend's only child as it were with open arms she was full of talk about her visitors when cuthbert came in to dinner at seven o'clock they stayed to luncheon and were with me more than two hours i never saw a sweeter girl than miss chamney or flora as both she and her father insisted i should call her pretty asked the doctor rather listlessly with a man's usual question i hardly know whether you would call her absolutely pretty her features would not bear being measured by line and rule but there is a sweetness a freshness a youthful innocence about her that are more winning than beauty to my mind she is the very incarnation of wordsworth's lucy dr ollivant shrugged his shoulders i never had an exalted opinion of wordsworth's lucy he said a girl who was very well besides the banks of dove but would not have been noticeable elsewhere i like beauty to be brilliant flashing something that inspires admiration and awe like a tropical thunderstorm then you will not admire miss chamney but she is a fascinating little thing for all that little exclaimed the doctor contemptuously a mere stump of a woman i suppose like a lead pencil cut down no she is rather tall than otherwise but very slim the most girlish figure all angles muttered the doctor and with a languid kind of grace like a flower with a slender stem a narcissus for instance wants tone i dare say said the doctor well mother i can't say that your description inspires me with any ardent desire to make the young lady's acquaintance however if you are satisfied that is the grand point for you will be a much more valuable friend to her than ever i can be and she will have need of friends when poor chamney is gone he looks very ill cuthbert do you think him in actual danger i give him a twelvemonth answered the doctor poor fellow and the poor girl it is so much worse for her she seems so fond of him i never saw such affection between father and daughter indeed said the doctor eating his dinner with his usual calmness he was not by any means heartbroken because the friend of his boyhood had come back to him with the seal of death upon his herculean frame he was sorry with a temperate sorrow thought the situation of father and daughter touching but was accustomed to the tranquil contemplation of touching scenes and he was prepared to befriend the orphan to the best of his power when her day of bereavement should come to defend her as her father had defended him when he was a little lonely lad at hillersley grammar school he waited for his first leisure day to go and call upon his friend half in friendship half professionally but he meant to take neither fee nor reward from his old schoolfellow mr chamney had hired for himself a large house in fitzroy square hardly conscious that it was not at the fashionable end of london it was a broad airy place and one square seemed to mark very much like another it would matter very little to the resident when his curtains were drawn and his lamps lighted whether the square were called fitzroy or belgrave the house had been built on a grander scale than most of the surrounding mansions the hall was spacious paved with black and white marble the staircase wide the rooms large and lofty 
black marble pillars sustained the dining-room ceiling the mantelpieces were elaborately carved it was a house which appropriate furniture might have been made very handsome but mr chamney had furnished it sparsely with the mere necessaries of existence as if it had been a lodge in the wilderness and he had bought his goods and chattels second-hand selecting them haphazard at various brokers shops as he roamed the lighted streets after nightfall now a huge sideboard now a table now a dozen or so of chairs or a set of dark gloomy-looking window-hangings to his daughter who came direct from the bare benches and deal-tables of a boarding-school the house and its appointments appeared splendid and then the glory of having a house of her own she told her father that there was something wanting in the drawing-room it had an empty look compared with miss mayduke's drawing-room at notting hill but that sacred chamber was beautified and adorned with the water-coloured landscapes berlin wool chair covers wax fruit and decalcomania of miss mayduke's young ladies and had only achieved its present perfection in the progress of years no drawing-room could burst minerva-like into existence from the brain of an upholsterer i must work you some chair covers papa said flora and immediately bought several pounds of berlin wool and a dozen yards of canvas the chair covers progressed at the rate of a hundred stitches or so per day and in the meantime the fitzroy square drawing-room presented a desert waste of second-hand turkey carpet broken by distant islets in the shape of chairs and tables all alike old-fashioned and irrelevant a ponderous mahogany loo table four ancient ebony chairs with carved backs six rosewood ditto inlaid with brass a modern sofa or two an office table in the back drawing-room in which apartment mr chamney wrote his letters and read his newspaper one spot of brightness redeemed the barren waste in the centre window of the front drawing-room miss chamney had established an aviary half a dozen canaries in a big cage and an australian parrot in a circular temple of polished brass dependent from the ceiling the canaries did not sing much it seemed as if the atmosphere of fitzroy square was not conducive to melody for the birds had been warranted vocal when miss chamney bought them but they fluttered and chirped in a cheerful manner and sometimes even essayed a feeble warbling the australian stranger made a noise like the creaking of a door which it repeated at intervals throughout the day to its own evident satisfaction as if it found therein an adequate expression of its feelings the noise was hideous but the bird was handsome and that miss chamney said made amends one could not expect everything from a bird she was standing by the big cage administering to the canaries when cuthbert ollivant first saw her her father was out when he called so he had asked to see the young lady herself unwilling to waste his drive to the regions of fitzroy quite out of his beat which lay mayfair way among narrow streets of small houses where the fanciful old maiden ladies and the obese old bachelors overate and overdrank themselves he had come upstairs repeating the poet's lines about the maiden by the banks of dove smiling to himself at his mother's sentimentality being himself in no way given to sentiment the maid-servant opened the drawing-room door for him and he went in unannounced and saw her flora chamney for the first time bending down to minister to a languishing canary my mother was right after all he said to himself making up his mind after his manner at the first glance she is the sweetest girl i ever saw in my life sweet was an adjective which people applied involuntarily to flora chamney a small oval face with large grey eyes dark lashes dark brows finely pencilled darkest brown hair which rippled naturally upon the ivory forehead a long slender throat a figure slim almost to a fault perfect hands and feet in short a delicately finished picture rather than a striking one 
a grey merino gown a narrow linen collar a blue ribbon tied loosely round the throat were all the aid the picture took from dress but there was a grace and sweetness about the whole which reminded cuthbert ollivant of a greuse he had once seen sold at christian manson's for eleven hundred pounds sterling a kit-cat figure of a girl caressing a dove he found no difficulty in introducing himself flora gave him her hand with a frank smile you can be only one person in the world she said for we have no other friends you must be dr ollivant yes i am dr ollivant i am very glad you have learned to think of me as a friend you wouldn't wonder at that if you heard papa talk of you he is never tired of telling me what a good little fellow you were at hillersley grammar school and such a prodigy of learning if he had not said so much of your affection for him i should have been rather inclined to feel afraid of you afraid of me but why he asked looking at her with a half wondering admiration and thinking that if he had married early in life he too might have had a daughter like this but then all daughters were not like this because you are so clever at miss mayduke's taking it for granted that he must know all about miss mayduke i was always afraid of miss kilso who spent her whole existence at the top of the class and knew the precise date of every event that has ever happened since the flood and could do the differential what's-its-name in hyperboluses and things and took the first prize every half then you don't like clever people said the doctor smiling gently at the hyperboluses i like them very much when they are nice musical for instance or artistic he suggested with a consciousness that he was neither of those things musical people are darlings and i like artists there are plenty in this neighbourhood but we don't know them there is a young man who lives three doors off who ought to be as clever as raphael at least he has hair of the same colour as raphael's and a grecian nose science i conclude is less interesting to you miss chamney made a wry face as at the idea of something nasty that means steam-engines and cotton looms and things doesn't it she asked in her winning childish way which made even her foolish speeches pleasant to hear it means a good deal more than steam-engines sometimes but one can hardly expect a young lady to be interested in it any more than one can expect the flowers to know their own latin names or be learned in botany you are fond of birds i see i try to make companions of them she answered when papa is out but i find it rather uphill work they put their heads on one side and chirp when i talk to them but we don't get beyond that i really think the parrot has the most intellect though his note is not musical the australian which had creaked intermittently throughout the conversation creaked his loudest at this as if in approval i have given them the names of my favourite heroes said flora looking at her canaries but i am afraid they are not very sure of their identity that little fat one with the top-knot is the vicar of wakefield the one with the black wing is hamlet that little perky bird is david copperfield that bright yellow one is the prince who found the sleeping beauty in the wood i don't think he had any name in the story had he she asked appealing to the doctor as if his recollections of nursery lore were of the freshest so i have called him prince lovely the others are all fairy-tale princes and you have no one besides your birds when your father is away no one papa's old friends people he knew when he was a boy that is to say are all devonshire people and he says he doesn't care about hunting them up not having been particularly fond of them in his boyhood there are my old schoolfellows and papa told me if i wanted any companions i could have them but when i went to see miss mayduke six months ago all my favourites had left and i hadn't the courage to go to their own homes in search of them i should have had to see their papas and mammas 
and i dare say it's very foolish but i have such a horror of strangers yet you hardly seem to be horrified by me when i came in just now unannounced oh that's quite different papa has talked so much about you and your mother was so kind to me the other day you seem like an old friend i hope i may never seem any less and it is such a comfort to me to think that you are a doctor and can take care of papa's health he has not been very well lately but you will keep him well won't you i will do all that science can do to keep him well answered the doctor gravely can science do that then i shall love science with all my heart how stupid of me to forget just now that medicine is a science and i have always thought medicine one of the grandest things in the world really what can be grander than the art of saving people's lives i reverence a great physician the doctor was curiously touched by this avowal sweet flattery from those childish lips it would have been worth my while to undergo all the pains and penalties of marriage if i could have had such a daughter he thought the short winter's day one of the first days in december was closing the fire had burned low neglected by flora and her devotion to the canaries the lamplight below flashed here and there upon the bare walls the room looked big and dark and empty a gloomy home for so fair a creature i should have made her surroundings ever so much brighter if she had been my daughter thought the doctor you must find life rather dreary in this big house when your father is away he said no she answered with a smile that brightened all her face in the twilight i have never known what it is to be dull first and foremost i am so happy in the thought that papa has come back to me for ever unstable happiness thought the doctor brief for ever and then even papa when he is out though i am always sorry to lose him even for so short a time i am able to amuse myself i have a piano in my room upstairs and my paint-box you paint then asked the doctor himself the most unaccomplished of men and wondering how many accomplishments might go to the sum total of an educated young woman i spoil a good deal of paper but it's so nice being near rathbone place one can always get more and moist colours in little tubes that squirt out it's enchantment to work with them i should like to see some of your paintings i shall be very pleased to show you the first i finish answered flora doubtfully but they don't very often come to that they look beautiful at first and i feel i really am getting on and then somehow they go wrong and after they've once taken the turn the harder i work at them the worse they go landscapes or figures oh either i've been doing the human figure lately a nymph at a fountain in chalks but chalks are so dirty and the human figure is rather uninteresting without clothes hark that's papa's knock it was and mark chamney came striding up the stairs presently and burst into the drawing-room out of breath but looking big enough and strong enough to defy the destroyer death but it was only the large outline left of the once herculean form the clothes hung loose upon the shrunken figure that's right he said pleased at finding those two together then you two have contrived to make friends without me we were friends already answered flora for i knew how you liked dr ollivant you'll stop to dinner of course said mark and flora shall sing to us while we drink our wine the doctor hesitated he was a reading man and his quiet evenings were very precious to him his mother would wait dinner for him no that might be avoided for his brougham was below and he could send the man home with a message 
but she would not be the last disappointed he so rarely dined away from her duty and reason cried dine in wimpole street but the voice of inclination drowned them and he stayed where he was i never take wine after dinner he said but i'll stay to hear miss jamley sing chapter three it seems to me that the coming of love is like the coming of spring the date is not to be reckoned by the calendar it may be slow and gradual it may be quick and sudden but in the morning when we wake and recognize a change in the world without verdure on the trees blossoms on the sward warmth in the sunshine music in the air then we say spring has come the young man whom miss chamney had observed from her window occasionally her neighbour at the distance of three doors was an art student not a student of the plodding drudging order for the young man had the misfortune to be rich and it mattered very little to him from a prudential point of view whether he were industrious or idle but as he had a passion for art in the abstract and an ambitious desire to win a name in the list of modern painters he worked or seemed to work furiously he was however somewhat spasmodic in the manner of his toil and like flora was apt to find the finish of a picture harder work than the beginning like miss chamney he discovered human anatomy taken by itself without the adventitious charm of raiment to be a dry-as-dust business that the human skeleton with its various bones is not altogether satisfying to the imagination that the prolonged study of limbs unconnected with bodies however various in the development of their muscles is apt to pall upon the ardent spirit i suppose rubens did this kind of thing said this mr leyburne after a hard day's work in a private life school not very far from fitzroy square he could never have done that foreshortening of the dead christ in the antwerp museum if he hadn't gone in his hardest for anatomy but oh how i wish i were through it all and at work upon my first historical picture it does seem such bosh sometimes these everlasting fists and elbows and knee joints it isn't as if i meant to make my reputation in half-naked greeks and romans jason and the golden fleece theseus and ariadne horatius what's-his-name and that kind of stuff if ever i grope my way farther back into the mist of ages than the spanish armada may i be convicted of a half a column of anachronisms by the times critic no mary stuart and bothwell the murder of the regent moray from a window in linneth grow that's the kind of thing for my money thus spoke walter leyburne half in soliloquy half in confidence to his fellow-students as he shut his day's work in his portfolio and prepared to take his homeward way a bright-looking young fellow nay handsome and with an expression that was radiant as a summer morning blue eyes straight greek nose light auburn moustache with drooping ends sedulously trained only half concealing a somewhat feminine mouth auburn hair worn long in the raphael fashion artistic suit of a black velvet boots which would not have disgraced a club in pall mall long supple white hands without gloves a sprig of stephanotis in his buttonhole a black velvet glengarry in place of the regulation chimney-pot a curious admixture of bohemianism and foppery in his costume this was the gentleman whom flora had occasion to remark once or twice a day from her window she might have seen him half a dozen times a day had she kept watch for him his erratic habits causing him to tramp backwards and forwards between his lodgings and the outer world a good deal more often than was necessary to his artistic pursuits he had chums and companions in arts scattered about the neighbourhood and when seized by an original idea would fling on his scotch bonnet and rush forth to impart his inspiration to the year of sympathy 
he had appointments for friendly oyster luncheons or bitter beer and sandwiches at a tavern in rathbone place or he wanted something in the artist's colourway in that district thus he was always flitting to and fro on some pretence or other he went every night to a theatre or some other place of amusement to hear the chuff and crow and eat welsh rare rabbits at evans to play billiards at a public table and he came home after midnight in a hansom cab whose doors he flung asunder with a shameless bang flora's bower was in the front of the house so she was wont to hear these post-midnight returns and this young man's cheery voice chafing the cabman he appeared to pay these functionaries with a lavish generosity for there were never any complainings or remonstrances only an interchange of witticisms and friendly good-nights it must be a wild wicked kind of life thought flora and yet the art student seemed rather an amiable young man was there no one no near relation father mother uncle aunt or sister to check this headlong career no restraining influence to snatch such a good-looking young man from perdition flora was really sorry for him she was overwhelmed with astonishment when her father came home from the city he paid occasional visits to that mysterious region and rubbed his great hands cheerily exclaiming flora i have made an acquaintance our circle is widening if we go on this way i must get you a brougham to take you out when you pay visits only unfortunately this is a young man with nobody belonging to him so far as i can make out a young man papa said flora who can that be a younger brother of dr ollivant's ollivant never had such thing as a brother you must try a little nearer home flo what should you say to that young man in the black velvet jacket the young man you've teased me about so often making me get out of my easy chair with be quick pa he's just turning the corner do look why papa you don't mean that you could go up to him in the street and ask him to be friends with you cried flora blushing to the roots of her hair at the mere thought of such an outrage of the proprieties as taught without extra charge by miss mayduke of notting hill not exactly but what do you think of that young man being intimately connected indirectly with my past life flora shook her head resolutely it couldn't be papa it would be too ridiculous i don't see that why ridiculous because he wears a black velvet coat or because you've noticed him from your window but what do you mean what can he have to do with your past life it isn't as if you were a painter his uncle wasn't a painter flo but he was my employer and afterwards my partner in queensland he married early in life but had neither chick nor child as you've heard me say flora nodded she had heard her father relate his australian adventures very often indeed but was never tired of hearing them and when he died all his money went to his only sister's only son he left it to the sister and her heirs executors and assigns not knowing that she was dead and gone when he made his will he had never taken the trouble to send her a ten-pound note or to inquire if she wanted one and died leaving her sixty thousand pounds but what has all that to do with the young painter who lives three doors off asked flora puzzled only that he is the nephew who inherited the sixty thousand pounds good gracious exclaimed flora with a disappointed air and i thought he was a struggling artist who would have to commit suicide by and by if he couldn't sell his pictures that accounts for his conduct to the cabman what conduct what cabman flora explained and do you mean to say you have made his acquaintance papa she asked afterwards by the merest accident 
when i came home i put a little money only a few odd thousands into shipping as you know never had a secret from you my darling i went down to john myravilla's office he's the agent you know this morning to make an inquiry or two and who should i see but our friend in the velvet jacket he had dressed himself more like a christian to come into the city but i knew him by his long hair lounging across maravilla's desk asking questions about ships and shipping maravilla who was rattling on in his usual way chuckling as if he had made half a million of money since breakfast introduced us you ought to know mr leyburne he said he has a sixteenth in the sir galahad i ought to know the name of leyburne said i ships or no ships had you ever anybody belonging to you called ferguson i am happy to say i had answered the young man with the long hair for if i hadn't i should never have had a share in sir galahad my uncle john ferguson left me all his money he was my first and only employer and best friend said i and we were on the most intimate terms in less than five minutes and he's going to dine with us this evening papa cried flora with a little joyous burst what you're pleased are you missy said the father thoughtfully i dote upon painters papa and he looks cleverer than the others who live about here he has the interest of sixty thousand pounds to pay for his fine clothes my dear unless he has contrived to fritter away any of the principal yes he's coming at seven o'clock this evening i thought we ought to be civil to him for the sake of his poor uncle who was a good friend to me in spite of the brandy bottle of course papa it's the least we can do to be kind to him and perhaps he'll help me a little with my painting i'm copying a study called gulnare with long plates and the dearest little greek cap but the flesh tints will come so very purple in the shadows as if poor gulnare had been taken nitrate of silver perhaps mr leyburne rather a pretty name isn't it could tell me how to improve my flesh tints perhaps said her father absently strange isn't it missy that i should come across this young fellow when i hunted up cuthbert ollivant i thought he was the only friend i had or was ever likely to have in the world and now this young man seems as if he were kind of a nephew of mine of course he must be since he is mr ferguson's nephew and mr ferguson made your fortune but oh papa cried flora shaking her head solemnly i'm afraid he's rather a wicked young man how do you mean wicked baby this was a favourite pet name for flora as he had called her baby and thought of her as baby in the far-away australian days so it best pleased mark chamney to call her baby now wild papa dreadfully dissipated he comes home late every night in handsome cabs and it's ever so much wickeder to ride in a handsome cab than a four-wheeler papa isn't it mrs gage told me so handsome cabs and wildness go together miss flora she said mrs gage was a mysterious female elderly lachrymose and had seen better days whom mr chamney had picked up for his housekeeper never mind mrs gage i hope there's no harm in that young fellow in spite of his late hours i should be sorry to think it for there's something frank and pleasant in his manner and i shouldn't have asked him here if i thought he was dissipated perhaps twelve o'clock or a quarter past isn't so very late papa said flora thoughtfully you're very exact baby i can't help hearing him papa just under my window as it were flora was in quite a flutter of excitement all the afternoon they had positively no friends except dr and mrs ollivant and it was quite a wonder for them to expect any one to dinner she made her father take her to covent garden to buy fruit for dessert 
and chose bananas and pomegranates and prickly pears and divers other recondite productions of nature all of which belied their good looks and were flavourless to the palate but it was her childish fancy to adorn a table with something uncommon picturesque even which might charm the painter's eye by its novel form and colour mrs gage had been bidden to prepare a good dinner but as that worthy woman's mind never soared above oxtail soup and cod's head and shoulders roast beef and boiled fowls there was no such thing as originality to be hoped for from her i don't suppose he cares very much what he eats thought flora who had fixed ideas upon the subject of this young man he looks superior to that but oh i hope he won't drink a great deal and get horribly tipsy so that papa will never ask him again this idea was dreadful but what can one expect from a young man who comes home late in a hansom there was an interval between the return from covent garden laden with those curious products of the tropics and seven o'clock flora devoted this time to arranging and rearranging her drawings undecided which she should venture to show mr leyburne she must show him one of them or how could she hope for any enlightening counsel upon the subject of flesh tints but seen in the light of her new timidity they all appeared too bad to exhibit juliet's mouth was out of drawing gulnare's left eye had a decidedly intoxicated look an old man with a white beard a study of benevolence was more purple by candlelight than she could have supposed possible a group of camellias had been obviously copied from originals cut out of turnips a vase of fuchsia was painfully suggestive of pickled cabbage flora shut her portfolio in despair i'd better show him all of them and then he'll know what a miserable dauber i am she said to herself how i wish he were poor so that it would be a charity to take lessons of him and then she ran into the next room to dress shook down the wealth of her dark rippling hair and rolled it up again in the most bewitching manner imaginable one broad massive plate twisted round the small head like a diadem and put on a blue silk dress the dress her father had praised so often rich lace encircling the graceful throat loose sleeves half revealing the soft round arms she had unlimited money to spend upon finery and indulged her girlish fancy with all manner of prettinesses lockets ribbons and laces all the things she had longed for in her school days the dingy maroon curtains were drawn and big fires burning in the two drawing-rooms whereby those apartments had almost a cheerful look despite their bareness mark chamney was seated in his favourite armchair hard as a brick bat but capacious with his legs extended across the hearth-rug in his accustomed attitude reading the evening paper can't think what the deuce men find to amuse them in the papers he said that's what you always say papa yet you never read anything else i can't say i care about books baby i like to know that what i'm reading is the last thing i could read what's the good of history for instance this week falsifies last week i don't care about knowing what has been i only want to know what is how smart you've made yourself missy you don't often favour me with the sight of that blue gown i thought as we had company papa company the young man from next door but three that's his knock i dare say flora's heart gave a little flutter she was thinking of those dreadful daubs upstairs and wondering whether she would ever muster courage to exhibit them wondering a little too what this young painter of whom she had only caught flying glimpses at a distance would be like when she saw him face to face he came into the room while she was wondering was introduced to her and shook hands with her in a rapid easy manner that was not ungentlemanlike 
he was certainly good-looking of that there could be no doubt handsome even faultlessly arrayed in evening dress the only eccentricity in his appearance was the long fair hair flora had expected to see him in his black velvet coat with perhaps a smear of paint here and there to show that he had only just laid aside his palette and behold he was dressed like any other young man spotless irreproachable flora was almost disappointed he was the easiest young man in the world to get on with his communicative disposition serving as a key wherewith to open the doors of friendship's temple he told them all about himself his longings his aspirations his intention of going to rome by and by for a year or two to work hard as if there were something in the air of that eternal city which must needs make him industrious he asked a great many questions about his departed uncle whom he had never seen and the strange life among the lonely sheep-walks and thus drew mark chamney on to talk confidentially and to tell his longest stories altogether it was a most cheerful dinner-party much more cheerful than when dr ollivant had dined with them dr ollivant although far better informed not being so good a talker as walter leyburne after the dessert which was a success in spite of the spikiness and stringiness of the tropical fruits they went upstairs together it had been an extreme relief to flora to perceive that the painter drank nothing but a tumbler of claret throughout his repast he was not therefore prone to intemperance which she imagined a common vice among men of genius who came home after midnight it was so nice too to find him eager to drink the tea she poured out for him presently just as if he had been the most correctly minded of the curate species he caught sight of the open piano while he was sipping his tea and brightened visibly you play and sing he said i thought as much only easy music she answered shyly little bits of mendelssohn where the accidentals are not too dreadful and old songs that papa likes i have a bookful dear old things that belong to poor mamma i'm afraid you would laugh at the very look of them such faded notes and common-looking paper but they seem to me prettier than any i can buy at the music-sellers i am sure they are pretty replied walter with enthusiasm or you would not sing them his manner to girls in general no doubt thought flora she went to the piano at her father's bidding and sang one after another of the old ballads her mother had loved the tender plaintive music of years gone by we met and she wore a wreath of roses young love lived once in a humble shed and the light guitar while walter leyburne hung over the piano and chanted and looked and listened there were no leaves to turn for flora played from memory and fancied that his hour was come that destiny which had done pretty well for him by flinging sixty thousand pounds into his lap desired to bestow upon him this still higher boon for the perfection and completion of his lot mark chamney lay back in his armchair smoking tobacco had been the chief solace of his lonely life on the other side of the world and it was not to be supposed that his little girl would deny him the comfort of his pipe wheresoever he chose to enjoy it and watching the two figures at the piano the young man seemed all that youth should be candid generous ardent it was a curious hazard that had made them neighbours it seemed something more than hazard which had created these two young creatures so near of an age and with so many fancies and attributes in common it would seem almost the natural course of events if thought mr chamney and did not take the trouble to finish the sentence in his own mind the conclusion being so obvious after having dutifully sung her father's favourite ballads flora ventured to speak with extreme shyness and faltering about painting i'm afraid it is very difficult to paint 
she said in a speculative way still perched upon the music-stool looking down at the keyboard and fingering the black notes dumbly as if seeking inspiration from sharp and flats i don't mean like raphael or titian or any of those heavy swells interjected walter seeing her at a loss she laughed a little at this and grew a shade bolder but just tolerably to amuse oneself why then you paint cried the young man enraptured i didn't say that oh yes you did pray do show me what you have done they're so horrid pleaded flora no they are beautiful equal to rosa bonheur's oh no no and they are not animals i insist on your showing them to me this moment her father rang the bell and ordered miss chamney's portfolio there was no time for reflection before she could collect her senses the book was open on the table and walter leyburne was looking over the drawings with little muttered exclamations and frownings and smilings upon my word there's a good deal of talent in them he said cheerily and then began to show what was wrong where the drawing was out or the brush had been used too heavily you shouldn't have been in such a hurry to go into colour he said at which flora despaired for what is life worth to the artistic mind of seventeen if one cannot dabble with colours drawing is such dry work she exclaimed raising her pretty eyebrows not if you go into it thoroughly replied mr leyburne forgetting sundry expressions of disgust and impatience that had fallen from his own lips a few days ago in relation to the muscles of a gladiator i wish your papa would let me come in now and then for half an hour and put you on the right track and i could lend you some casts to copy you ought to draw from the round flora beamed with smiles but looked at her father doubtfully i don't see any objection said mr chamney name your time and i'll be here to see that baby is an obedient pupil the business was settled on the spot and a farther arrangement made to the effect that mr and miss chamney were to inspect mr leyburne's studio next day it might amuse you to see a hard-working man's painting-room said walter with extreme pride in the epithet hard-working and if you will do me the honour to lunch with me i'll make things as comfortable as a miserable dog of a bachelor can ever hope to make them this with extreme scorn of his condition as if he were the most abandoned of earth's inhabitants flora clasped her hands joyously oh papa do let us go she cried i never saw a painter's studio in all my life whereupon the invitation was accepted mr chamney desiring nothing better than to be led by the light hand of his little girl End of chapters two and three